This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. In order to advance racial equity, there is work for white people and people of color to do together and separately. The Project Sanctus Affinity Groups provide safe spaces for people to work within their own racial and ethnic groups. Join us every first and third Wednesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom for brave, vulnerable conversations and for building culture through engaging embodied practices. For more details and registration, visit ProjectSanctus.com. Exploring the healing and culture-building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome to With Love and Justice for All, um, uh, Project Sanctus podcast. I'm Reverend Kelly Isola with my partner in crime and consciousness, Reverend Ogan Holder. What's going on? Um, I survived Thanksgiving, and I think that's because... I'm in Barbados. We don't celebrate Thanksgiving. So there's that. Got it. Got I did it. have a little Friendsgiving sort of situation get together. And um, and that was fun. Met some new people. I may or may not have drunk too much wine and may or may not have said some things about <laughs> the Bible and God to a Christian couple who were at the table. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, then. So new ways of winning friends and influencing people. As I do. Right, right. Yeah, Another successful happened. holiday. That that happened. They were having a they were having a buy one glass of wine, get one free, basically. Oh, well, and, yeah. And and the, the guy who was taking orders, he says to me, do you want me to just bring the two separate glasses or bring them in like one highball? And if you've never drank never drank red wine from a highball glass you've not been living right right yeah no no yeah. just save you the fancy how was, how was your stuff. thanksgiving how was, how was your thanksgiving mine was fine it was um i i don't drink so there's no risk of i may or may not have annoyed someone well i that's let me back though i can still annoy people yeah even if i don't drink yeah your annoying um, is totally conscious not under the influence <laughs> of altering right. substance um which you know it did actually uh i was out to dinner with two friends went to a restaurant who does a wonderful thanksgiving dinner i didn't cook enough food to bring leftovers home but it did come up the uh we're going to talk about it a little bit later 
in conversation um, about uh, that that Thanksgiving email that we received that we'll mention later. Gotcha. Our, um, yes. 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 So that did come up. So um, I was quite direct about the the how problematic it was. Um, and they kind of sort of moved me off the topic quickly. So I stayed there long enough to irritate them. But um, there you go. Yep. Um, so as I said, welcome to With Love and Justice for All, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, uh, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, as well as uh, focusing at times on the special challenges that arise as spiritual seekers. Um, which is going to, I think, is going to be a, a nice chunk late, a little bit later on in the podcast when we talk about this Thanksgiving email I just referenced. But first, I want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers here in the USA. We just checked, you know, we periodically check to see where listeners are coming from. And and I think we covered, we were, you know, at least 40 states um, in the United States of listening. The top ones are California, North Carolina, Kansas, Washington, and Missouri. Um, and around the world, we are expanding our global reach to Norway, New Zealand, South Africa, Chile, Brazil, Mexico, the Ukraine, Canada, France, United Kingdom. Um, yeah. So that's exciting um, to know that we're slowly making you know a global reach. Uh, today's episode, we are talking about dangerous speech. Um, we're going to unpack that a little bit more. But first, Ogan, you have some information for our listeners. I do. Do you think it's we are really expanding our global reach or there's like 20 people who are traveling around the world and they just take us with them? Well, you know, it's funny. I was thinking it could be just a dozen people on vacation right, um, or something like that. No, gonna, let's go with expanding our reach. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Yeah. Let's think positive. Yeah. Let's think positive. Yeah. Uh, speaking of expanding our reach, we have some opportunities for you. You, the listeners, to come connect with us, learn with us, be uncomfortable with us. Uh, start in uh, December 1st. Um, that's just a few days from now, December 1st, from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. We're doing a workshop with Unity of Canada called Privil From Privilege to Power. And this is um, a workshop that not just helps us identify where uh, all our points of privilege are, but then how we can use them really as an entryway to do some real uh, dismantling of the systemic uh, systems work. So yeah, our privileges can be our best resources. So that's yeah. December 1, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on Zoom. Um, hit up Unity of Canada uh, on their website to get some information about that. Uh, speaking of surviving Thanksgiving, or as I really got to <laughs> be mindful about calling it, uh, the National Day of Mourning, um, mm -hmm. um, we're doing a workshop called Talking to Your People. Uh, we had it scheduled before Thanksgiving, and now we're having another one right before Christmas. And this is a workshop to really equip you with some language and some tools to have those challenging conversations around the issues so that when you get together with your family members who you don't see at other parts of the year, um, and you know, you might, you might have the, you might have the one who sort of like a lot of people in the comments of my Instagram this weekend, um, these past few days have been, um, you know, kind of sharing some fascinating right wing talking points and not knowing their right wing mm. talking points or pretending that they're not, uh, um, or they believe they're their true thoughts and beliefs. And, and I'm like, mm, yeah, no, you didn't come up with these, uh, but anyways, we equip you with some language in, um, in order to share and have conversations. So, excuse me, that will be December 3rd from 10 to 2 p.m. Um, also online. And you can 
uh, get more information and register for that at projectsanctus.com. And we have an economic just-in prices pl- pricing plan uh, so that you can choose your own pricing um, or one of the options we provide. And even if the ones we provide are still beyond your reach, please contact us. We will find some way to work it out. And then in the new year, um, starting on January 10th, um, we're doing our new 846 Book Club selection. It's called American Detox, The Myth of Wellness and How We Can Truly Heal. And this is really taking a look at how the both the philosophy and the wellness industry um, is really helping to maintain systems of oppression. And it really gets into us in terms of perfectionism, individualism, other white supremacy norms. So we're going to take a look at that. And I think it's really poignant that we're doing it at the beginning of the year, right? Because the beginning of the year is when everybody sets those wonderful resolutions about this is the year I'm going to lose weight or get fit or right. do more yoga and stuff like that. And again, nothing wrong with doing yoga, but again, why are you doing the yoga and where's that motivation coming from? And is it really right. yoga if you don't share it on social media? So we take a whole look at all these things during this book um and please as always get your copy from our black owned bookstore partners uh bliss books and wine books and wine (laughs) i had a a little brain fart there maybe too much of the wine last night i was just gonna say maybe it's the wine (laughs) kicking in bliss books and wine uh dot com use the cord use the code eight four six book uh to get a ten percent discount And as always, you can join in in our conversation. We live stream on Facebook when we're recording. We're now going to be doing this a little bit earlier. At least that's the plan. Uh, So now we're at 2 p.m. Eastern um, is what we're going to be aiming for on Tuesdays and Fridays. So you can watch live, drop uh, some comments in the in the in the stream there. Um, You can always reach out to us. Also, um, leave a message on our voicemail. 413 get holy that's 413-438-4659 so a lot going on as always so so let's get into this dangerous speech and 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 this was actually a topic that we were gonna we had in the uh the agenda to talk about later but given some interesting stuff that we've had going on with us on our social media in the last couple days um we thought it'd be interesting to bring this to the fore now also, given the horrendous um, mass shooting that happened in uh, Colorado at Club Q, um, to, to, to kind of break down some of that as well, because it's all it's all it's all connected. And I didn't want too much time to go by between that shooting, right. between Thanksgiving and us talking around about dangerous speech and highlighting why we do need to talk about it. And we'll share some back and forth that we had on social media, sort of as a way to maybe give you some hints of how do you how do you talk to folk, yeah, um, who bring who bring who bring the talking points, who bring the talking points um, as well. So so let's jump in by actually learning about what dangerous speech is, and, and di- yeah, and especially different. And this was a. Uh, uh, I think is really important is differentiating it from hate speech, which I use that term and lots of us use that term. Yes. um, And why it's important to differentiate uh, between the two. Yes. Um, So keep going. Oh, so, uh, so let's, let's start with the definition of dangerous speech. And we, and this comes from um, 
um, website. Uh, the link is dangerousspeech.org. Uh, pretty straightforward. Yeah. We will put that link on the Facebook. We'll also drop it in the um, the show links. Uh, so when you're listening on your smart device, your smartphone, wherever you're listening, um, then you look in the descriptor of the show notes for the episode. You can see the links. I know many of you already know how to do this, but I always like to assume that we got listeners who, again, podcasting is a is a fairly new thing to them. So yes, we can put links in the episode description, and you can click on your smart device and go straight to them. So this is a dangerous. It's it's a, an organization called the Dangerous Speech Project, DangerousSpeech.org, yeah. and they have a guide, a practical guide to really what dangerous speech is. And I, as the nerd that I am, also want to point to an enormous amount of data research. Enormous. Yes, a lot uh, in different countries around the world, including here yes. in the USA, but um, studying speech, um, studying human expression that, and particularly how it uh, um, uh, inspires or perpetuates violence between groups of people. Yes. So, so let's start with the definition. Dangerous speech is, it is a special kind of rhetoric or any kind of expression that destructive leaders use to turn one group of people violently against another group. And the author coins the term after studying actual speech in the months and years before mass violence happens in many parts of the world um, and historical periods. Um, so we, it's a, a more simplified form, any form of expression, whether speech, text, or images that can increase the risk that its audience will condone or commit violence against members of another group. So right. let me say that again. Any form of expression could be speech, text, or images that can increase the risk that its audience will condone or commit violence against members of another group. And for me, the, the, the most important part of that definition is the condoning, right? right? Because it's really hard to say this person said a thing and this person did a violent thing because the first person said a thing. One, it's, it's harder to prove that uh, conclusively, right? And part of why it's harder to prove that conclusively is because, you know, take the take most of the mass shootings that have ever happened in, in our country, um, the U.S., you know, there's there's this narrative that this person was acting independently or this person was, uh, you know, more than often not is diagnosed with some mental health issue. So it's like, nope, this is just that person is broken in some way because listen, look at all the other millions of people who hear the rhetoric and don't act violently. So it can't be the rhetoric. It just has to be something wrong with that individual person. Right. So, right. so, so that's, that's the story that gets perpetuated a lot. And because of that, the rhetoric gets a pass and the people pushing the dangerous rhetoric, they get a pass as well. Um, but what we're seeing more and more is folks who are acting on the dangerous rhetoric and, and, the, and some of the dangerous rhetoric that we want to I want to bring to light specifically that's connected to the recent mass shooting is around 
grooming and drag queens. So we're gonna, gonna kind of take a look at that a little bit, a little bit too, as to what what that what that even is. Right. Well, the uh, so before we keep going too, because I had said there there's a you know the um, the certain you know the difference between why dangerous speech and hate speech is that is kind of what you were alluding to is not um, you can't. Most of us know the term hate speech, but it's really hard to find any two people who would define hate speech in exactly the same way. Right. And um, and who would identify the same sorts of speech as hate speech? Um, and the and what's true, and this is this can be a little hard to wrap the head around, is that there is some hate speech that isn't dangerous. It might be ugly. It might be offensive. We see people call each other names like you know, friends and family like that, that isn't even around, you know, politics. It could be like trying to decide what color paint for the living room, you know, right. like people, it could be hurtful, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's dangerous in the sense that it doesn't increase the risk that uh, people will condone or commit violence. Um, and then there's also dangerous speech that isn't necessarily hateful. And that we're going to look at in regards to like this, the Thanksgiving email that I referenced at the beginning, right. I, I would call that dangerous speech, but I wouldn't necessarily call it hateful, you know, ugly, right. you know, um, so um, that's, you know, I think so I, I'm kind of this, you know, wanting to make sure that I'm because um, we're always responding to things on social media or emails or yeah. in conferences and asking questions and wanting to it's always about my own learning and my own expanding. And so, um, and then of course there's the freedom of expression, right? There's the, the first amendment, but, um, but free speech, you know, we've said it before and I've heard lots of people, you know, free speech doesn't mean hate speech. Free speech and, doesn't and, mean and, dangerous and, speech. And it also doesn't mean consequence free speech. Right. 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 Exactly. I mean, you can say whatever you want, but there's going to be consequences depending on what you say. Right. Um, again, Alex Jones. So so uh, free speech is in, uh, the idea of the First Amendment is not a carte blanche pass to say whatever you want and there not be consequences to it. And I think we don't we don't talk about that enough in this country. Uh, we yeah. just simply say, oh, look, we have a First Amendment. So we can say whatever we want and not be held accountable for it. Talk to us a little bit about some of these, uh, some of the hallmarks or some of the ways that we can identify if, if speech is dangerous. Right. So there's so the um, the dangerous speech project um, identifies five, you know, these five key elements or signs that that help me determine if what I'm seeing or hearing is indeed dangerous. So the first one is the speaker. Um, you know, some people just have a much greater influence, as we know, um, on people than, um, you know, there's there's more impact, there's more influence uh, on people than we may even realize or think. Oh, oh, and some of it is we clearly see um, that there are um, there are people that just are highly charismatic and just with a blink of an eye, a snap of a finger is this influence, um, many of them in political office, you know, now, you know, but also religious or, you know, cultural figures, uh, sports stars, musicians, they all can be sources of influence. So the first thing you have to look at is to determine if 
you know, speech is dangerous in its context is the speaker. It, and that's not the only one. It's this is part of what what we have to you know do a little more work is just it's not just stopping there at, at the speaker, but that's part of what you know helps make something dangerous speech. The second sign to look at is um, is whether the speech is dangerous um, is if the speech is dangerous in the audience in the same way that speakers. Inf are influential, some audiences are particularly susceptible. Right. So the more, you know, and we saw this, the, I would say, you know, with the, the capital insurrection, lots of people, you know, regardless of conspiracy theories or what groups they belong to, if you look at the, the audience, one of the elements uh, is, you know, having this sense of being disenfranchised and not taken care of and and I've lost my job and you know I can't do and so somebody needs to be at fault and so some audiences are just you know more particularly susceptible to it um they, they you know they might be just really afraid they might be losing their of, home you know there's a whole lot of things on. they've got these grievances yes. many yes. of which are manufactured Yes, and as a result, they're more inclined to not just listen to some of these mm -hmm. "quote unquote" sources of authority, but to obey. Right, um, and and to be clear, when I say manufactured, I don't mean. So you described a, you described a lot of things just now: people losing their homes yeah. and losing jobs. So on those are real things. That's not a manufactured right. problem. But right, what's right, manufactured right, right. is who who are we blaming? Right, right. So right. rather than blame, like you know. Um, neoliberalism and capitalism for shipping jobs overseas and producing the cheapest product with exploiting labor, we blame here's a group of immigrants coming in to take your job. So therefore, it's their fault and not the fault of like, again, right policies or philosophies or right. I'm making you what's wrong with me. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the third element is um, you have to look at is to determine if the speech is dangerous is the social or the historical context. So, for example, um, if there's a context that has already had conflict, um, then um, there's much more likelihood of speech being inflammatory or dangerous when, you know, one or one or the groups, you know, receives, you know, communication from the other. Um, you know, for example, two uh, two groups that are living together in the same place or the same country that, as I said, they're already bumping heads, they've already been in conflict, there's already been tension, there's already been trouble, maybe there's already been violence, um, then the same sort of messaging is just, you're just pouring lighter fluid on an already, you know, large fire. Um, and so that's one of the elements to look for to see if if the speech is dangerous. The um, the fourth sign then is the medium. The medium meaning what's the avenue that's um, that is sending the message? Because it could simply be the language in which you know the message is given. Um, it could be this, and this we have a lot of challenge in in the U.S. Um, I can speak for the U.S. I don't know about other countries, but if the speaker uses jargon that is uh, or particular language like codes. You know, when we say, you know, um, um, you know, an original American, you know, like I've heard that what they're really meaning is a white European colonizer. Leg um, legacy Americans. Legacy Americans. Yes. Um, so there's 
Yep. So there's, um, and there's dialects and we know there's a whole lot of um, phrases and jargon that, you know, I even have a little meme that's a, a decoder, a white body supremacy cultural norm decoder um, that has lists of words that really are, that mean something that is inflammatory. Um, and um, and so the other medium, it, you know, is it also, are we listening to it on podcasts? Are we listening to it on television stations? Are we reading it in the news? Are we social media? Oh my God. Um, but, um, uh, and if you're, if, if a group is generally receiving um, mo- the most of their news from, you know, kind of one, one medium, then that adds to the, 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 um, the danger of speech being dangerous because there's just this one, you know, very funneled, tunneled source of of news. Yeah. Um, the fifth sign is um, is the content itself. Although while the context is important and all the other things, you know, the the other four things that I said, you also have to look at the content, and that's where you find those characteristics that are the patterns of dangerous speech. As you mentioned earlier, you know, dehumanization. That's the first and biggest one. You know, if if I'm referring to a group of people as something to be gotten rid of, or as a cancer, or as a um, something that needs to go away, um, then, you know, that's dehumanization. Yeah. Um, and we certainly see that with the, you know, the lots of the social media around the Club Q shooting. Um, and then part of that element of dangerous speech of the content is one, is it dehumanizing, but then is it also, um, uh, you know, where you tell your own group that the other group is planning to come and attack you or maybe even wipe you out, um, or that other group really poses an existential threat. For instance, the right, you know, the far right is continues to put forward replacement theory as though it's actually real and, and out there. And and um, even more even more poignant to the Club Q shoot-in, this continued narrative around grooming. Right? Yes. That yes. that uh, you know folks in the LGBTQ plus community and drag queens are trying to groom our children and therefore they are the danger. Yes. And it's called, it's actually called a, a mirror accusation because what you're trying, what one group is trying to do um, is to get uh to scare up their own group and be afraid of what you're trying to get them to endorse or to do to the other group. Um, And it's, it's crazy making. And it's, it's no wonder that we have, you know, uh, such a dangerous, such a violent, uh, our society, our culture has become so um, disconnected and, and, and dehumanizing is a norm. Yeah. So, um let's let's talk about the grooming a little bit because yeah. i don't know i don't know that we we actually break down what that is and where it comes from so so the word grooming is is actually a real thing it's not a made-up word it's it's a process yeah. by which uh adults make children or young people vulnerable to sexual assault through compliments isolating tactics and other actions that shift the child's circle of trust and increase the adult's power over them so this is a definition I'm reading uh, from Vox.com. I'll, I'll put the link in. I'll put the link 
Grace said, I'll put all the links before Facebook and on the podcast as well. So that's that's grooming. And that that happens. OK, now and that happens by. Um, yes, um, people who are who are mentally ill, who are pedophiles. And this is the thing. This is a connection here because um, they're uh, for decades. And I mean, decades, there's been this conspiracy connection that people who are gay are also pedophiles yeah like this is this is an old old story that was created again decades ago i mean um and it's yeah that and it was created in order to try to again as you said earlier make the lgbtq community the other um as well So, so this, this theory, this, this uh, moral panic that was stirred up around that um, gay people are pedophiles has been uh, erroneously existing for decades upon decades upon decades. And every once in a while, it, it comes up again with a new coat of paint on it. (laughs) Um, And, and so, so. Well, and here, here's the, here's the, sorry, but just to throw in a little data point mm-hmm. is that uh, around 80% of pedophiles are white heterosexual men. Okay, then. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Well, it doesn't, it's, I'm just, you know, this nonsense that gay people or trans people are pedophiles is yeah. like, yeah, no, I really meant thanks for that because I may have come across with the sort of sarcastic tone, but no, thanks for that to really let us know that it's not, it, it no. really isn't. No, <laughs> really, it's really it's not. Yeah. People in the LGBTQ community who who are the pedophiles. So, anyways, so this this has been this has been, you know, um, the the latest drumbeat that's been that's been going on. Um, so there's grooming. There's some other terms that you'll hear. Um, folks on the far right use that are really um, dog whistles that are, I think, fall under that umbrella of dangerous language. So we just talked about grooming. Another one is gender ideology, mm. right? Um, and this one is um, it mischaracterizes gender um, as, um, and it says um, it's it's basically a social construct of norms and behaviors that doesn't necessarily align with the sex someone was assigned at their at their birth um that's what gender is um or rather that's that's what they're saying is gender ideology so therefore part of the part of the grooming or part of the issue here is that kids are being taught that if you were born with male genitalia you don't have to be a boy you can be a girl you can be whatever you want and and you know vice versa for um, people born with female genitalia. So, so what we know, what we know is that as early as three to five years old, children do have a sense of if who they are is aligning with the genitalia of their birth. There's nothing we're doing about it to tell them or teach them. This is, they know this. This is this is their own self identification, and. So, so the narrative that this is being taught is um, also very, very 
false. Um, what's happening is I would say now there's more of a an acknowledgement. There's more of a listening to the children. There's more of a believe in the children. There's more, there's less of, of gender norm configuring. And what I mean by that is you have a boy, so therefore we're going to buy boys trucks and guns and dress them in blue and stuff like that and if we have a girl we'll buy her doll houses and dress her in pink so those those kind of like gender those gender norms um is really how we teach our children to yeah. be the the gender that society has traditionally defined um well and and i would i would wonder if you ask like all all these you know, people um, that are anti-trans and, you know, just don't clearly don't understand gender, gender dysphoria or gender identity. You know, if you were to ask them to just define gender, I, I would I would guess that there would be crickets for a few moments while they struggle to find well, I don't think they would struggle. I just think they'd do it wrong. <laughs> they, they, well, would, they would incorrectly both. say gender is gender is you're a man or you're a woman and and that you were born that way. So that's what you are. Right. That's, but that's that doesn't actually answer the question. <laughs> no, no, it does not. It does not. Yeah. I'm just telling you what I think they'll say rather than sit there struggling with an answer. That's the answer. that we, I mean, we've seen this over and over yeah. and over. Right. Gender is you're born with female genitalia. So you are a woman. End of story. And and for men as well, you're born with male genitalia. You're a man. That's that's how many, um, you know, I guess mostly on the right will def will understand gender. And as a result, anything that doesn't align with that is or any discussions around that, you know, they call they call induction. We're trying to indoctrinate the children. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, the indoctrination also happens with applying the stereotypical gender norms that we have, just the ones I just described, and telling children, this is what you do. You're a boy. You can't play with dolls. You can't wear right. pink. You can't right. wear a skirt out the house. Like, that's that's what I'm talking about. That's also indoctrinating um, our children as well. And then another one, and we, and we talked about this recently um, in relation to Moms for Liberty, is parental rights. Yeah. So this is the idea the and this is a core of like the uh you know the the don't say gay bill um that was in Florida and some other stuff in Texas. So this is the idea that parents and legal guardians have the right and responsibility to determine where if when and how their children are exposed to material of a sexual nature. So that's that's and how that comes across um is it's what you're seeing with the rash of book bannings. And yeah. we can't talk about this in our elementary schools. Mind you, it's okay to watch some Disney movies that, yeah. that have some very uh, sexualized imagery. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and we're, we're okay with that. But it's sexualized. Or, or the, the five-year-old pageants, right? Right, those, yes. You stick a wig on them and makeup and dance real, you yes. know. That's not wig. That's, that's okay. their real hair. Don't 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 go there. You know, you're gonna offend, okay. you're gonna offend some moms. Um, so you know, there's there's that as well. So, but again, those are all heteronormative sort of um right. se sexual expression. So we're okay with that, you know. So yeah, we we see we see, you know, Aladdin kissing Jasmine. We're good with that. 
for a kid to watch that at any age. That's okay, because boys are supposed to kiss girls. But, you know, we can't show them a woman kissing a woman or a man kissing a man, because that's indoctrination. Right. Um, so, so there's that. So those are those are those are some some terms that are you know going around that that, that you will hear. And again, dangerous because again they're all rooted in 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 different conspiracies. And what makes it dangerous is again is then it goes from there to in some cases uh, policy that supports those yeah. things. So we see in some states, um, you know, I just mentioned Florida with the don't say gay bill it's like we're now going to alter how and what our children are learning in school uh we're gonna we're gonna put people who are perpetuating this dangerous speech and these conspiracies on our school boards we're going to deny um gender affirming health care to teenagers and children who want to begin this journey of either transition or simply just um um being who they are Again, with their parental support, um, you right. know, and so so that's happened as well. So let me jump to let's jump from here to um, um, what what happened to my Instagram feed. Recently. Yes, I was just going to ask to do that. Yeah, yeah, because so so I posted um, a few days, couple of days ago. It was it was a cartoon um by the artist who goes um his name is jesse duquette and you can follow him on instagram it's underscore jesse j-e-s-s-e duquette d-u-q-u-e-t-t-e and he he makes these very just like poignant um cartoons and and then this cartoon um on the left side he says he has the word cause another the cause are there's an image of uh, Lauren Boebert, Tucker Carlson, Marjorie Taylor Greene. They've got they're like foaming blood at their mouth and and they're like, you know, and you can see them yelling, like yelling. Right. So that's yeah. cause. And on the right, he says, wait, wait. And Marjorie and, Taylor Greene has this huge cross on a necklace. Right. She's wearing a cross. Thank you. Thank you yeah. uh, for pointing that out. And then on the right under uh there's now the head in effect so on the left is cause they're the cause and the effect and he has a flag and it is the it is the flag that's combination uh trans flag and the rainbow flag uh together yeah and it is riddled with five bullet holes symbolizing the five individuals who were killed at club q cause cause and effect so, you know, I, I posted this with the caption, free speeches and hate speech wars have consequences, deadly consequences, hashtag uh, Club Q. And things got interesting after that. So so the first comment, and I, I'm trying to remember because it's the comments here are not in order. But I, as I remember it, the first comment that came in said, but the shooter was one of y'all. He's non-binary, they slash them, apostrophe E-R. They slash them, er, and I didn't quite understand what they were. But anyways, so there's this idea that, oh, the shooter was part of the community. Therefore, this has nothing to do with the rhetoric that people are spouting, is, 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 the, is, is I think, the implication that was that was going on there, right? So let's unpack a couple of things just with that. Well, even the, even the, so coming back to even the, the content of that, you know, referring, he's non-binary and says they slash them are. 
like apostrophe er. So right. now already by saying they them are you're already dehumanizing um, yes the individual who has chosen you know these particular pronouns. Yes, and so so part of part of what I want to start um, and I and I shared this in another post is um, and we've talked about this before when we talked about people in a community being a monolith and they're not mm, really. Yeah. So one yeah. of things we have to break down is this assumption that because a person identifies as non-binary, it means they're gay or they're trans or they're lesbian. Like yeah. that's, that's not how any of this works at all. Right. Uh, right. Um, a person who is non-binary, they, and, and part of this is again, um, um, confusing, I think, um, a person's identification with their sexuality and, and right. who they may be sexually attracted to. It's not a straightforward connection. So, so non-binary folk can be attracted to those of, of who are like birth gender or any other gender, uh, other non-binary folk, straight folk, guy folk, bi folk, like non-binary folk are attracted to whoever they want to be attracted to. Right. right. And, and, it doesn't mean they're gay or trans. So to say that person was one of y'all or one of the community was making a real stretch and a real leap. And we've seen this also being pushed on some mainstream media platforms. Oh, this person was non-binary. So it wasn't like, it wasn't our usual like cisgender hetero person who was brainwashed. This was someone within the community. So we're, we're, we're in the clear. Um, big fat no of that. Uh, because, <laughs> because uh, one of the things we also have to realize is that um, within any given community, you are always going to find people who have absorbed the dangerous speech, the hateful rhetoric, the, uh, the oppressive statements being thrown at them will internalize those and turn against themselves and other members of their community. Right. Look right. no further than everyone's favorite rapper, Kanye West, right. right? Who recently, who recently was seen strolling through the airport with an avowed anti-Semite racist who's now part right, of who's his, been banned from pretty much every social media every social media platform, who's now yeah. apparently part of his campaign to help him run for president. And apparently they were in Florida to go visit Donald Trump. So, right. It is very clear that the end, it doesn't matter in that case, anti-blackness, for example, is anti-blackness. It doesn't matter if the person saying it is a black person, right? Right. Hashtag Candace Owens. <laughs> Hashtag uh, yes. uh, who's our favorite Supreme Court judge, Clarence Thomas, right? Yes. You will, you will have people, and this goes all the way back to the days of slavery when you had the you're the enslaved people working in the field and the enslaved people working in the house. And because the enslaved people working in the house were given much better treatment, they, they developed this false um, connection to, to their enslavers and, 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 and protected them and looked out for them and, and thought they were closer, thought they were better as a result, because they were closer to the enslaver who really didn't care any more about them than anybody else. So, so, well, so we the, can and the, the, the understanding of colorism. Exactly. And yeah. yeah. So, so out of that rose colorism, where there was this division between uh, the, the enslaved in the field and the enslaved in the house. Um, and, and 
lighter skin, the lighter skin folk were usually the ones in the house and the darker skin ones in the field. And to this day, you know, we, we, we see that yes, with colorism where, where among uh, groups of black and brown people, lighter skinned is, is not just preferred, but elevated and folks with lighter skin look down on folks with darker skin. And, and there's all of these is learned internalized oppressions. So we, we have those um, as well. What's fascinating also is that we, as we come to find out this individual who did the shoot in his grandfather um, was a very loud spoken member of the far right. And then his dad, and if you saw the video of his dad, when, yes. when they confronted his dad, who's, yeah. who was less concerned about him shooting up a nightclub, but very relieved right. that he wasn't gay. Right. Which just curdled my stomach anyways. Yep. So, 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 so that's, so that happened, um, uh, on social media. There's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot more that, um, interactions, um, and well, I think what made it, you know, if, it, yeah, if, uh, you know, what made it for me taking, you know, this, this conversation for lack of a better term, this inner interchange between you and, and this other person on, on this, um, meme on Instagram is putting it within the context of these elements of dangerous speech. Mm-hmm. It, it clear for me, it really clearly fits the bill. There's a constant, um, uh, you know, messaging from the other person of really separating they, them, you, you people, there's never, there's no, um, um, just, you know, keeps dragging in other elements to, um, to, to try to, to shift your direction and keeps coming back to sort of name calling and there's just no, um, yeah. So, so what I did was yes, draw their attention to the correlation between things like, you know, when, when, uh, COVID was happening and Trump called it the, uh, the China virus. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden there was an uptick of crimes and violence, right. uh, towards Asian folk in the U S and around the world, actually, um, when he first started running for president and he said, you know, Mexicans are, are their, their rapists and their thugs and all that. We, we had an uptick in violence there too. Um, and as, as we, as you know, this dangerous speech against, for example, drag Queens has been escalating last few years. We've seen an uptick in violence towards drag Queens, more specifically black, um, not right. uh, uh, black trans folks, sorry, not drag drag queens, trans folk, black trans women have been specifically targeted be, because of this. So what's interesting, though, is at some point in the discussion, you know, when he talked about grooming and that they should stop grooming, I said, I said, so, you know, this so-called sexual grooming is a manufactured political point. I said, I'm just curious do you actually know any gear trans people? Have you asked them about the so-called grooming agenda? Have you talked to straight people, including children who've attended drag shows? Have you ever asked them if they felt like they were being recruited or groomed or, or felt to be different? And his response was, his response was, um, let me put it up here. He says, uh, no, I don't associate with LGBT people. I don't need to know one to have enough morality to keep perverted thoughts from kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, 
once again, here's someone who is not, who's just taken in rhetoric, but not right. actually confirming it for himself in terms of actually making connections with someone from the LGBTQ community and finding out really what their agenda is. And I'll say, yeah. I'll tell you what the LGBTQ plus community agenda is to be happy, to be left alone. <laughs> to, and, to live my life authentically, to, just as I, me. Exactly. That's their agenda. No one's, no one's trying to, no one's trying to groom, recruit, change anyone. That's, that's not, that's not what they're after. And please, please ask them, <laughs> please ask them. So this is, this is part of the danger again. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to make an assumptions about a whole group of people based right. on what I've been told, because what I've been told is that this is not normal and I don't need to, I don't need to go find out for myself. I'm just going to believe what I'm, what I'm told. Right. So in terms, in terms of when, when one's engaging with people, you know, ask them like, you know, what are you into? Would it, how would you feel if I was being told that because, you know, you like to own guns, that it means you are like some homicidal maniac, right? And therefore right. I'm not associating with you and I'm judging you. Like, how would, how would that feel in response? You know, how would it, how would it feel to be judged solely because you have a Southern accent and therefore people are making all sorts of you know, um, assumptions about who you are and your intellect and what you believe because you have a Southern accent. So this is, you know, this is, this is, uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to go to the level of otherism, but it's like, let's explore some other contexts here, especially if you don't know someone from the community in which you are, you know, pointing fingers at. And then, and then there was the oddest, the oddest argument, which was like, he says, if I, I don't know, it's a he, I assume it's a he, I don't know. That's, that's my assumption. Um, that person said, if I showed up to work dressed in drag, right. they would fire me. And I was right. like, well, this Actually, makes no, no. sense. Cause one, <laughs> you know, the drag queens that I know are not trying to go to work in their drag. Like right. there's, yeah, that's not the thing. One, and unless you were clearly violating some specific dress policy from your workplace, if you showed up in drag and they fired you, the ACLU would be the first people coming to your defense and helping you right. sue your employer. So, yep. so all of what you said, not true, <laughs> right? But these right. are these. This is the narrative that's this that's being that's being spun by this. So it's yeah, well, it's, a, and it's a thing. So, well, I think what's important to to point out about this this uh, interchange with the person. Um, that I assume is also um, a guy based on the handle or handle doesn't sound like something. A, mm -hmm. And here I am probably being sexist. It just doesn't sound like a name a, a woman would pick. Um, but uh, um, is that you actually so so how do you counter right? So what what are we supposed to do when we hear and we right. see dangerous speech? I mean, that's that's why we want to talk about it. And I'm sure this won't be the last time. No. Um, but it's but by the continuing questioning right and and asking the questions not getting um you know not getting hostile and not getting aggressive and not you know the name calling and and working pretty hard i think doing a pretty good job of not us and theming because because we do it um yeah. um that eventually they stop talking <laughs> so, 
yes yes there's been there's, there's which is that's that's the purpose that's how you counteract dangerous speech i mean you know is um that um is you know so by asking the questions by mm -hmm. you know there's um even sometimes uh, you know a little shame or labeling what they're saying as because you did that too so what you're saying means this and what you're saying you know and then um you know even the showing where, you know the last bit about well actually if they're not if you shut up and drag and there's no violation at work you'd have a good you know there's a little humor in there i don't think you meant it to be humorous but there's a little you know oh no i meant to be funny ironic. I'm like yeah like, like that's that's not a thing i don't i don't know any yes. person i know a handful of people who who were drag who, right. who dress drag who were drag queens yes like this is this is during the week it's like yeah they get dressed like everybody else and go to work and and this is this is an element of who they are an element of their expression that their clear gets to be expressed in the context of a club or a right. show right no they're, they're not well, lobbying to show up to work in drag right well so i think i just think it's a good exchange to to you know demonstrate how to counter yeah. you know how to how to engage in counter speech um uh and and one of them is you know not engaging you know the name calling and and um harmful and hurtful rhetoric um but you keep reminding the the speaker of you know their language is targeting groups who yes. will then which then catalyzes more groups to into violent action um, I had, I want to mention one other response um, from another um, person on yeah. Instagram who said uh, that um, it was, it was condescended and arrogant of me to assume the intent and internal mental state of people who've internalized rhetoric that that's, that's a, that's an assumption of making and they point they make reference to a group called Gays Against Groomers. I never heard about this group until this person pointed it out. And they're fascinated, right? So from their about page, and tell me if any of this sounds familiar, from their about page, Gays Against Groomers directly opposes the sexualization and indoctrination of children. This includes drag queen story hours, drag shows involving children, the transition and the medicalization of minors, and gender theory being taught in the classroom. It's like word for word talking points. Something I'd like to address, transitioning of minors. Okay, as a minor in the United States, you cannot have gender transition surgery until you become an adult. Right. Now, what you can do is yes, do things like hormone blockers, which, which some parents support and say, okay, Let's do this so that you can have the experience of your body beginning to, to match and look like who you truly believe you are. So you can have this experience, you know, walk a mile in your shoes. And then if you become an adult and want to go through the surgery, like you've, you've, you've had the experience. So you can do gender blocking. You can do stuff like that. But last I checked, and please correct me if I'm wrong, anyone in the audience, you cannot have like full gender reassignment surgery 
until you're an adult in the U.S. So gender, is, gender affirming. Gender affirming. Surgery. Or what they call it, gender reassignment. No, you that's what used that to be. It's not. No, Sorry. it's gender affirming because you're affirming the gender gotcha. the person believes. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. learning new things every day too. So, so, so yeah. So, so that's a. This is one of the again dangerous narratives is being put in out there and they've been states who for example have been re- withholding funding from like children's hospital uh yeah because it's like yeah we're not going to support hospitals that do this because we believe that this is child abuse and again none of it happens without again parental consent and it's interesting that this is the same party <laughs> it's the same party who's pushing forward the what uh Parental Bill of Rights. Yeah. You know, (laughs) as a parent, you have rights, but you don't have the right to allow your child to be who they want to be. You don't have that right as a parent. So it's it's fascinating uh, to to see. Um, I hadn't heard of the gays against groomers either. And um, I I hadn't. And I hesitate to I hesitate to give him any airtime. But but. This we'll is edit part that of part out. <laughs> no, we won't because because again, I know, I know. this is part of the this is part of the narrative. Oh look, we know this is wrong because now we even have gay people who are against it. Right. 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 So again, no, that doesn't mean anything uh, at all. Again, you will always find people within any given community who have internalized the rhetoric to the point that they also believe it and turn against right. themselves. Um, I give the great one when the examples I give, because um, I dropped some names in the comments of people who, you know, exemplify that besides Kanye West and Candace Owens. Uh, Peter Thiel. I don't know if you know who Peter Thiel is. He's he's mm-hmm. tech billionaire. And he helped fund um, a conservative dating app called, I forget the name of it now, but it just recently came out. Um and in their ad, the ad says, oh, and by the way, the whole the on this ad, the only pronouns that we have is like he and she. It's like men, it's women. And that's who gets the date on this site. Peter Thiel is gay. So a gay billionaire founded the creation of a dating site that he could not participate in if he wanted to. Right. So, again, wow. you always have examples of people within a community who for whatever reason have absorbed the messaging and have decided yeah. that, yeah, they, they can do this. It it's, it's, it's a common thing. It's a common thing. Um, just look at all the, you know, I won't, no, I won't say that. <laughs> I mean, censor. I was about to say something, which I realized was, you know, not, I don't know is factually true. So let me not say it out loud. Right. So always because I'm ourselves. not going to go back and edit and post. I'm, I'm right. Right. I'm well, writer. I wanted to, you know, if we if we have a minute yes. um, and we can do a second episode of this, certainly. But I wanted to also draw attention to, you know, at the beginning when I said dangerous speech is not necessarily hateful speech. Oh, yes. Yes. Let's let's do this. Um, real quick. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted so. Th- that's so what happened the reason that and a reference at the beginning of the show the thanksgiving email um is um is within so this happens you know within unity within spiritual community and in, in uh um our movement unity, this is our, this is our, our movement, movement. Our, our i know I, I i the word hour gets stuck in my throat um this so, is a spiritual uh, movement in which we were ordained and are still closely affiliated with how does that sound yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> I take the so, less is more approach. So the word hour, I'm okay with. 
Thank you. Um, well, um, so this email comes out from the home office, right? And one of the things that I, um, sorry, I hate to jump in, but we are we are an organization called Unity, and we have two leadership bodies, two leadership organizations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this came out from one of them. So there's Unity World Headquarters and then there's Unity Worldwide Ministries. And why we have yes. two organizations in a movement called Unity, we've been asking this for decades. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> and the Unity it's Worldwide a... Ministries is 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 the half that more oversees, I would say, the 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 man not management, but you know, they're a resource for like church administration and and education and stuff like that. Whereas Unity World Headquarters. They're more like I would say the the outward looking arm, you know. So they they do the things like uh, uh, the Daily Word devotional magazine, uh, Silent Unity stuff that that's more outward looking. I this is a, this is a poor approximation of what they do, but um, we I just wanted to point that out. And 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 the CEO of World Unity Worldwide Ministries sent out a Thanksgiving email. All right, yes, go ahead. So I don't know, um, um, you know, his name, the CEO is signed his name. I don't know that he actually wrote it. However, I just put that disclaimer in there. There's this statement in the middle of it um, that says, let us remember it was the kindness and compassion of native peoples that created this holiday. We are called to continue that kindness and compassion each time we celebrate it. Well, when I saw it, frankly, I was like, you know, choking. Um, it was the kindness and compassion of Native peoples that created this holiday. First of all, um, no. Uh, second of all, uh, no. Um, and there's what really, um, so this is dangerous speech to me, um, and not hateful. Um, right. What makes it dangerous is that it completely ignores and doesn't take ownership of really the reality and the truth of where Thanksgiving quote unquote holiday came from. Um, and uh, it's just perpetuating, um, you know, it's perpetuating a myth that is this narrative in the United States of, you know, oppressing, you know, marginalized communities. So, you know, it's what's not being taught and what's missed in the spiritual community is actually to take the opportunity to teach our spiritual communities the reality of the holiday and that the myth is that these friendly indians came together and welcomed the pilgrims and teach them how to live in this new place and how to farm and what animals and to catch and um and that's just not the story uh and so i there's a there's a reason now they call it the national day of mourning yes many many indigenous tribe many native people tribe call it a national day of mourning because of the 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 sheer volume of land theft and genocide yeah. that went on before 1621 when mayflower got to north america and continued forever after yeah um and so the holiday it just was really um i just i found it and well and then of course the 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 comments that came because you posted and i also posted and um i don't actually i'm not sure i even see my post anymore on the facebook page it's potentially someone took it down um but the um um the responses that i got 
were also equally distressing and lend themselves to dangerous speech because it was these, you know, it was ministers, older white ministers, I gotta say it, that were redirecting the conversation to, well, I just want to focus on the gratitude. And you're being you're criticizing a message that could be very Yes. Let's let's be clear. There were some who were very supportive as well. Yes. There were some yes. There were some who were like, wait, what? What? And cringe yes. and yes. So yes. there were others who, who got it yeah. right away. But yes, you're right. There were there were also some who again um said we just hear this as a we just hear this as a message of gratitude. This is what this is what we're sticking with. Right. Um and you know, yeah, I don't think any of the indigenous peoples at that time were thankful for anything. Uh at, not at, from not from the colonizers uh no 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 they weren't no they weren't yeah um and um if you i mean you can you can google this and dive into the to the to the history of of this but you have to realize that the uh what is the wapanago tribe i can i can mm-hmm. stumble over my words um yeah they were virtually wiped out a by the small box <laughs> that that the that the quote, right. quote unquote sellers bought um we also have this narrative that the settlers were coming to escape religious persecution that's mm-hmm. not the full whole story of that either please please take some time to look into the history of 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 what the mayflower and some of those ships were 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 doing um and um you know there was there there was an intentional settling of the new world as part of an investment with the shipping company there's, there's an element of that too it wasn't you know hashtag capitalism it wasn't just about people fleeing religious persecution um so there's that um and and who taught the settlers of plymouth rock to farm and nurture the land was was um the native american um again i'm gonna i'm gonna botch his name but 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 we we know him as Squanto, which is um, I guess not the name that we, not not his actual given or indigenous name, um, but he was a former enslaved uh, indigenous person as well, um, who was enslaved, who was actually taken to Europe, and at some point was able to gain his freedom and returned home to find most of his tribe wiped out because of disease, and yes, um, he he did show the settlers how to farm the land and eventually celebration started of which they were not invited to right so part of the narrative is this painting this this image that we have from paintings of native americans and pilgrims uh you know at this bountiful table and sharing a harvest and that's that's not an that's not an accurate visage in fact one one story writes about they were celebrating after surviving a winter the the settlers and they were firing their guns into the air and uh, you know some of the uh, indigenous folk who lived nearby heard the gunshots and thought something was going on not positive you know right. and 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 they rushed in ready to fight and they were like oh right. there's a dinner happening and then they're like oh as y'all are here you know right. we'll grab a little bit so well and they yeah. and and be, they you know thinking that the guns firing was a uh, something was wrong was because they were already had been working on these mutual defense packs like how do we how do we be live together in the same yeah. space which you know it clearly didn't pan out for native americans no. um so i just but it was the there was yes there was a uh, two so two things about the comments on on that post was that when um once again the 
you know, either unable or unwilling to, this is one of those both and things. Okay, so you, I get you want to focus on gratitude and forgiveness and kindness and compassion, and we have a history that is quite violent, and we have a, you know, and so we can own it, and yeah. I didn't create it, and I have a responsibility to dismantle the system. So go for forgiveness, go for gratitude, go for compassion by uplifting the voices of um, Native Americans. There are so yes. many ways, you know, like Landback, landback.org. There are many, many indigenous trusts within tribes around the country that we could be partnering with. So, you know, practice part your of that, gratitude. And part of that uplifting is telling the real story, not yes. the whitewashed colonization myth. Yeah. You know, um, it's 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 okay to do it's okay to do that. <laughs> Yes. So then the other, my other sort of, and, and, you know, this is ongoing. I'll, I go up and down with my response, my emotions around these things is just how few people actually do respond. Like right, people, right. you know, I mean, within we, unity, they just don't want to speak up. I don't want to go against, I don't know what. And well, I, I'm I mean, like, let's let's be clear about what it is it's it's again we've talked about the discomfort right we've talked yes. about the discomfort we've talked about um you know who who will i upset what will this cost me to speak up there's, right. there's all these things that run through people's minds yes. you know um there's the you know for some people it's the uh, am i being performative if i do this am i gonna say the right thing or am i gonna say yeah. the wrong thing i don't want i don't want to run the risk of saying the wrong thing so I won't say anything at, at all. Um, so it's fascinating that yes, um, you and I and a few other people, we we tend to be the ones who say something first. <laughs> it's like we're we're the ones who put yeah. our foot on the landmine, make sure it's not gonna blow up. And then others are like, all right, we're gonna we're, yeah. we're gonna join you in being shocked um or being appalled. Um, you know, we've had people say things like, Yes, I was I saw this and I was I was uh, you know, upset by it. And I was going to say something, but I, but I didn't. And, and to be, you know, to extend a monicum of fairness and grace, it, yes, it does take time to find one's voice and be courageous and find your voice and be courageous. <laughs> like, yes, we're, just, we're, we're, just we're, know, know you're, yes, know you're not going to get it right. Yes. And that's just okay. Do it. And, and it's just, okay. Just do it. Yes. And know it's okay. It. And as you may have seen, there will be support for you, right? Yeah. We said things and we pissed off enough people. And but there are others who support us. There are others who push back against us. But mm -hmm. it is it is in this dialogue, it is in this dialogue and drawing attention to these things that we right. begin. This is how we dismantle. This is the work. People are ask, always asking us, what do we do? This is what you do. This is right. this is right. the work. You see stuff like this being posted in people's social media feeds. You say something. Oh, I don't want to get a social media argument with them. Uh, I remember someone actually someone actually said to me, uh, dude, are you arguing with online trolls again? What are you doing? Right. Uh, I'm like, well, again, a not technically arguing, B, give them enough rope. They're going to hang themselves back with that whole like you know just responding with questions but again it's that it is that long-running adage silence mm -hmm. is complicity yes and i know many people don't want to take that on mm -hmm. right 
but that's what it is. Silence is complicity. If we're not speaking out, then basically what we're saying is what's up there is is okay. It's okay. Right. And even if we don't believe it's okay, not saying anything against it is sending that message. So if no one had said anything, the message would have been it's okay to say, you know, it's okay to perpetuate that colonization myth. If I hadn't said anything to the person who rolled into my comments, then, right. you know, what message would I have been sending to let that there? Now, to be clear, do I respond to every time somebody rolls in to my comments? No, because A, it's my space. I can do with it what I want online. And also, you know, I got preserved my own mental health around around this. Yes. And that's yes. the one comes initially full of both hate and dangerous speech. Then, you know, based on what they say, there's clarity that there's not going to be a discussion ensued here. There's just going to it's basically going to be spam coming my way. So, no, I don't right. I don't always engage. So I'm very mindful of how I engage and when I engage, but there is engagement. And that's what I want to encourage people to know. You, you doesn't mean contrary to what I said, not really contrary, but in support of what I said earlier, it doesn't mean you have to respond to every single thing. However, ask yourself, are you responding at all? Right. Um, one of the, um, yeah, uh, you know, we could go on forever we need to do a part two. Um, <laughs> Because, well, I think, and I, three, well, and four, I, I know, well, because it's ongoing, but I think it, it is. it's, you know, um, learning how to respond uh, is, um, how do I respond to, you know, dangerous speech and recognizing dangerous speech. And when you see it against a whole group, when you see it as a using a spiritual bypassing to make it okay. Yeah. Um, that's dangerous. It may not be hateful, but it's dangerous. So um, guess what? Guess what? Talk to all your people. We got a workshop for that. I know. That's where I was going. You like <laughs> you were there with me. I was there with you. We got yeah. we got a workshop for that. And that is specifically what the workshop is. Talking to your people. How, yep. What do you say? How do you engage when you choose to? Um, and and we talk through then also as you the responder. What are you going to be doing and feeling after the interaction, right? Yes. Because it's not, it's, yes, it is uncomfortable. Yes, and, it and, is. And and often what happens, I'll speak for myself, often what I have found is that sometimes in the course of these interactions, I realize the still internalized and embedded nonsense that's within me that I yes. thought I had gotten rid of. But yeah. there's still some stuff in there because I'm 48 and I'd say more than half my a little more than half my life has been conditioned. Yeah. <laughs> trained to believe things like LGBTQ folk are, you know, they're they're going to hell. They're gonna burn in hell and they're trying to make the world a broken place. So yeah, there's a lot of conditioning in there. And that's informed how I see myself. That's informed mm -hmm. my sexuality. That's informed everything and a lot of deep levels that we really don't know until we begin to unpack. So come yeah. to the workshop. Again, come to our affinity groups that we hold twice a month uh, because it is in discussion around these topics that you begin to grow an awareness of these things. And yes, you will say the wrong thing. We all have. Kelly and I lead these groups. We have said the wrong things. I said a wrong thing on here today. With yes, the gender, with that's the gender, right. Right, affirming surgery. Yeah. I'm so I'm still tossing around the gender reassignment thing. So so 
again, we're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to mess up. And it's okay to grow in awareness, to give ourselves grace, and yeah. know that we don't have to do this work alone. This is not an isolatory experience. And that's one of the, that's one of white supremacy's sort of like, yes. uh, you know, weapons, no. you yep. know. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, and the the narrative around individualism, which is a whole other podcast. The narratives around individualism tells us that we gotta, we gotta hunker down and do this work on our own, and we can't, we can't say anything until we've we, we've mastered it and got it right. And yeah, you know that's not how that works. We should probably wrap up. I think we've yes, I think yeah. we said enough. We said enough for today. Um, Just so for we're today, gonna, yeah. We, we're gonna wrap up. Um, we are going to, you know, continue this ongoing narrative as we as we tend to do. Please visit projectsanctus.com to see all the opportunities that we have for you, including the aforementioned workshops, the talking to your people, the from privilege to power, get the book and start reading American Detox. It's a, it's a lot of content, so. We know how busy all's lives are, our lives. So you want to maybe get a jump start on the reading. Um, and again, maybe before the new years, when many of you make resolutions around your health and your wellness, this would be a really good book to start reading on. Mm-hmm. Go to uh, blissbooksandwine.com. Use the code 846book to get a discount. Um, and as always, please tell others about the podcast. I guess you've been doing it because we getting, again, being listened to in 40 states now. So word's getting out there. Um, yeah, and it's not people on vacation either. <laughs> not people on vacation. <laughs> Who's got time for all that vacation? Um, so uh, yes, um, listen when you when you're on your platform, um, subscribe and please rate the podcast. Um, that helps push us push push the show up in the rankings. If you rate the podcast, tell your friends about it. And again, if you happen to encounter someone who doesn't know what a podcast is or how to use it on their smartphone, they can go to with love and justice for all dot podbean.com and they can listen it, listen to it on the old fashioned interwebs um, and hear it that way. Um, so thank you as always for listening. Thank you for doing the work. Thank you for helping us create safe, brave spaces, uh, creating the world. And donate. And donate. Oh yeah. You can donate on the website too. Yes. Thank you. Keep the train running. Um, but thank you who those of you who are stepping up to create that world of love, justice, and liberation that we are seeking to create. So until next time, let's get our holy on. Mm-hmm.